All right. Uh, well, again, good morning. My name is Eric. Glad to be here today. Uh, let's try this. Um, I'm excited to be here. How about you? All right. We're in this series, Bless This Home. We're looking at Matthew chapter 5, looking at the Beatitudes, and specifically, how can we apply these truths to our families, uh, whether our family is just us, or we're married, kids, kids in the house, kids who have left the house. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about our hearts. Uh, we know that when we talk about our heart, we don't mean just that organ inside our chest that pumps blood and oxygen. You know, uh, our, our heart is much more of that. It's kind of the center of who we are. And our culture talks a lot about hearts. Uh, I love, you know, some songs about hearts. How many of you guys remember, you grew up in the late 90s, uh, Backstreet Boys, Shape of My Heart? There you go. Yeah, the ladies are like, oh yeah. Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On. Yeah, yeah. That song makes anything better. If you haven't done it yet, you have to check out the Minneapolis Miracle, Stefan Diggs catching the touchdown from Case Keenum with that song on there. Oh my word. If, who's, who's seen that? Yeah, it's amazing. Like, right when they hit the crescendo and he throws off his helmet, oh, it's the best ever. Sorry, Packers fans, but no, it really is truly the best ever. Uh, Elvis Heartbreak Hotel and the Achy Breaky Heart. Uh, our culture talks a lot about our heart. And when culture is talking about our heart, it's describing our emotions, our feelings, our passions. And when the Bible talks about our heart, it's describing our passions, our dreams, our desires. It's kind of the center of all that we are. And this really clicked for me in high school. I went to a very small school, and I, I did a little varsity wrestling, varsity soccer. And because I went to a small school, we would play teams for much bigger schools. And I remember our coaches telling us, man, you can compete as long as you have heart. And uh, even though you may be smaller, uh, you know, not as many talented athletes, but as long as you have heart, you can compete kind of with the big dogs. And it was true. Uh, you know, as long as you have heart, you can do a lot more than you think that you can do. And so not only do each of us individually, we have a heart that's kind of the center of who we are, our passions, our desires, but also our homes have a heart. We have a, a heart of our homes. And for those of us today, we want to ask the question, especially those of us who are parents, is how do we protect the heart of our home? And that's our big question. How do we protect the heart of our home? And for those of you who aren't yet parents and you want to be parents someday, how do you set a good foundation so that your home can, be, your home can build a uh, home that is healthy and living in the blessings of God? And that's our question today is how do we protect the heart of our home? How do we set a good foundation so that we can have a family, a home that is blessed. The good news is that we're not the first ones to ask these kind of questions of how do we protect the heart of our home? How do we live in a way that is blessed? That's what Jesus is talking about here in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And if you missed last Sunday, you can check out the podcast, but we talked about this big idea, which is going to be kind of the big idea for a whole series, and that's this, is that we are committing, we are pledging, we are not just a Christian family, but we want to be a Christ-centered home. We're not just a Christian family, but we want to be a Christ-centered home. And you might say, that sounds basically the same, Eric. What's the big difference? Well, you can say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and God's kind of just a part of my life. There's a big difference between that and saying, you know what? Jesus is first in every way. He's not just a part of my life. He is my life. And so we don't want to just be a Christian family, kind of just culturally. This is, we go to church, we're a Christian Instead, we want to be a Christ-centered family. Amen? We want to be a Christ-centered family. So let's dive into our beatitude for today and see what Jesus has to say. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 8. He says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
Uh, would you join me and let's pray. God, I thank you uh, for the Beatitudes, for the Sermon on the Mount, that we can look at these truths today and say, okay, we want to live lives that are blessed. We want our homes to be blessed. So how do we do that? And God, I pray that we could take these truths, they could penetrate deep into our hearts, our souls, our minds. God, I pray that these would be your words, not mine. And uh, God, that we just together seek how to protect the hearts of our homes. In your name we pray. Amen. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When I read this, my, my question is, well, how can we be pure in heart so that we can be blessed? If blessed are the pure in heart, well, how do we be pure in heart so that we can be blessed? If we want the blessings of God, then we need to learn to live according to his word. If we want the blessings of God, we need to learn to live according to his word. And that's exactly what the psalmist writes in Psalm 119. He asks, how can a young person keep his way pure? And if you've got kids, or maybe if you're a younger person, that's exactly the question to ask. How can we keep a young person pure? How can we stay pure? How can we, with all the temptations in the world, how can we stay on this path of purity so we can be blessed, so that we can see God? But here's what culture would say. Culture would say, hey, you know what? Just follow your heart. Just, just follow your heart. You've got a good heart. Just follow your heart. Listen to me. That is the stupidest advice that you could listen to, okay? Uh, because I have seen so many people who have followed their heart right into a place where their marriage has blown up. You know, they've followed their heart because, you know, she said, well, he's hot and he makes me laugh, and so it's, it's led me out of my marriage. Or he said, well, she smells so good and makes my heart beat faster. Don't just follow your heart. That's going to lead you into trouble. Here's what Jeremiah 17, 9 says. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So just following our hearts is a bad idea. It's going to lead us to just going down whatever passion we want to. We can't just follow our heart. So then how do you pursue a pathway to purity? How can a young person keep his way pure? Here's what the psalmist says in Psalm 119. How can a young man or young woman keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Another way you could ask this question is, how can our family stay on the pathway of purity? And here's the answer. Not by following our hearts, just kind of whatever we want to do, our passions, but by living according to God's word. By living according to God's word. See, God's word doesn't change. It, it, it's not subject to all our whims and fancies and, and how we feel in the moment where our hearts can change. We don't want to just follow our hearts. We want to follow what God's word has to say. Amen? And maybe this morning you're not married. Maybe you don't have kids yet, and you're like, you know what? It doesn't really matter how I live. You know, I, I can kind of change things once I have kids or, or once I'm married. You know, it doesn't, does it really matter if I'm striving towards, you know, purity and, and living after the way that God lives? I'd say you don't build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. You won't build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. If today you're single or, or you don't have kids yet and you want to reap a harvest of righteousness, you need to plant those seeds today. So we have to guard our homes. 
me tell you, if you're, if you're a single guy, then you need to pursue a life of purity and righteousness now, not when you get married, not when you become a dad. And it's never too late to start saying, hey, God, I'm going to seek you and live my life according to your truths. I'm going to put aside childish things. I'm going to step up, put my big boy pants on and say, okay, God, how do I live? How do I lead in a way that is leading my family towards you? How do I guard my home? Because the reality is that we all are called, men and women, to guard our home, to protect our kids, to protect the heart of our home. We've all seen how protective a mama can be when it comes to our kids, right? Like, I think a mom could take down a grown bear if that became, that bear got between her and her kids, right? Like, moms are fierce. And our culture tends to applaud when we physically protect our kids. You know, like, you know, some parents, they, you know, they put their kids in, you know, elbow pads and a helmet just to go outside and, like, play out in the snow. You know, because they want to protect their kids and, like, oh, we got to make sure they're, you know, everything's okay. But yet, in our culture, you know, as we, is it so okay to protect our kids physically and make sure they're wearing seatbelts at all times and helmets? And all that stuff's good. But it seems like our culture looks down on parents who want to protect their kids' hearts, and want to protect them, uh, their, their purity and their morals. And they can be called, well, you're just an overprotective parent. Why aren't you giving your kid a cell phone? Why aren't you letting your kid drive? Why aren't your kid le- letting him you know, play with these games or do these video games or watch these cartoons, whatever it might be? You're being a little too overprotective. But it's natural to want to protect our kids and our marriage and guard that. Honestly, we would never give, you know, a bottle of poison to a little baby and say, here, drink up, little baby, right? I got a new niece this week. She's super cute, uh, Amelia Cardenas out in Colorado, and, you know, she's just a couple days old. And, like, if my brother-in-law and sister-in-law gave that baby, like, Mountain Dew in a bottle, even, like, we'd be like, what are you doing? Don't do that. You know, we'd never tell my kids to, like, go swimming, you know, in Florida in a pool full of alligators. You'd be like, why would you do that? Like, that is not smart. And yet, so often, we'll send our 16-year-old daughters, you know, on a date with some hairy-legged guy full of, you know, uh, adrenaline and all these hormones and think nothing of it. Oh, I don't need to meet the guy. Or we'll give our 13-year-old boy, you know, uh, a cell phone with unlimited access to the internet and everything that he can encounter, you know, uh, online and all that stuff. And it's like, well, Is it a big deal? We just think that's normal. And let's just take sex for an example in our culture. Our culture tends to say, oh, you need to protect against the physical consequences. Wear protection so you don't get a disease. Make sure you don't get pregnant. And yet, very rarely does our culture talk about protecting our hearts and our souls. And that when two people come together in that physical act, that there's something that happens and they're bonded together and their hearts and their souls can be ripped apart when they engage in that kind of activity. And yet so often we, we just ignore that. And so often in our culture, we only talk about how to protect our kids physically. And we're not thinking of their hearts, their souls, their morals. How do we keep them safe? How do we keep them pure? So the question is, how do we go against that grain of culture that seems to only focus on keeping our kids safe physically and say, you know what, we don't want to just be a Christian home. We want to be a Christ-centered home, raising a generation that puts Christ first and honors him in every single way. So how do we do that? How do we guard our hearts so that we can be pure in heart? 
I think I could give you lots of thoughts on that, but I just want to give you three today. And the, because this isn't going to happen by accident, okay? As much as I wish it could happen by accident, it's not. Uh, you're not just going to get married, raise kids, and then 20 years down the road go, well, it. I can't believe it. My kids are holy. I don't know how it happened. They love God. They've guarded their hearts. They're Christ-centered. I mean, it's just a big accident. I don't know how that happened. All of you who have adult kids, can you get an amen? It's not going to happen by accident. Amen. You have to work hard at it. Here's the truth, is when we get married, we just think we're going to be good at it naturally. And then about a year or two in, or maybe a week in, we realize, I am not good at this, right? (laughs) Who else has been there? You think it's going to come naturally, and then you're like, no, you need to read, you need to study, you need to get advice. Same with being a parent. When that baby's born, you'll be like, I'm going to knock it out of the park, I'm going to be a great dad. You know, and then all of a sudden your kid hits two, three, four, and you're like, what is going on? I have to actually, like, discipline my kid and guide them and teach them. It's not going to happen by accident, okay? We have to study. We have to get ready. We have to be intentional. If it's going to happen, we, ha- it ha- we have to be intentional. Write that down. If it's going to happen, we have to be intentional, and we have to have a plan. If we want strong, healthy marriages, we have to have a plan. We have to be intentional. If we want kids that love God, if we want a home that is Christ-centered, if we want our kids to be pure in heart, it has to be intentional, amen? And so we're going to just look at a few ideas today, but I encourage you, if you're a parent, set some time with your spouse or or maybe your small group and just say, okay, let's reevaluate our plan. This is something Chris and I, we're always talking, it seems like we're always behind this, but it's like we have to constantly reevaluate, right? And it's like, because you kind of get good at like one season of of like parenting or something, and then like six months later, you're like, what? Everything's changed. We have to reevaluate it. And in every season, you have to constantly be reevaluating. How are we doing? What's our plan? What does God's word say? Just like in our marriages, with our kids, just in life. And so we have to have a plan. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So number one, uh, the plan is get your own heart right. First, get your own heart right. Get your own heart right first. Let's start there. I don't care if you are 18 or 68, you are going to set the tone in your relationships with your spouse, with your kids. You set the tone no matter where you are. You lead towards purity. Uh, We are giving away some copies of uh, a parenting book on how to raise accountable kids. And, And really this idea, it starts with us. We have to start with ourselves first. We have to get our hearts right. And we have to guard our hearts. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said this about our hearts. And we're going to read it in two different versions because there's pieces I like on both how they translate the Hebrew. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 in the NIV says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Often when the Bible is talking about the idea of guarding, it's uh, usually like, think of a, a citadel or like a castle walls around your heart to keep out bad things because it's going to determine the course of your life. And then the ESV, the English Standard Version, says, keep your heart with all vigilance. I think of people on the the watchmen on the walls with all vigilance, watching, waiting, what's coming against me. For from it flows the springs of life. Or from it flows, out of your heart flows the springs of life. Guard your heart with all vigilance. We have to be intentional. We have to guard our heart with all vigilance. What does it mean to guard your heart? When you're the guardian of something, you protect it. You maintain it. 
Have you ever done house sitting for someone? You don't just watch their house. You're supposed to protect it and maintain it. You know, if, if you're house sitting for someone, maybe they go on summer vacation and they come home and the grass is two feet tall and the trash is piled up and the toilet's been overflowed and, you know, there's two inches of water anywhere and you didn't do anything about it. You didn't really watch their house. I mean, yeah, sure, you watched it, but you didn't protect it. You didn't maintain it. That's the idea when we're guarding something. Or if you watched someone's dog and you never fed that dog or took it for a walk, you didn't protect it or maintain it. You're simply watching it. You didn't do a good job guarding it. Or if you're watching someone's cat and you let it escape out of the house and then you lock the door and that cat was never seen from again, you did a good job. <laughs> Sorry for the cat fans. But when you're guarding something, you need to protect it and maintain it, not just sit there and watch it. They have those, those commercials right now where it's just like, oh, I'm just here to watch. I'm not here to guard or protect or anything. No, we can't just observe our hearts. We actually need to guard it, protect it, maintain it. Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it, flows, the springs of life. This past summer, our family had the chance to go on uh, kind of an epic road trip. We did, uh, I think, 3,500 miles. But we drove out to northern Idaho, like the tip, right by Canada. And Kristen's uh, college roommate uh, is now their teachers over in Thailand, and they come over every other summer. And so we went to go visit them at their home. They've built this kind of cabin home up in northern, northern Idaho, out in the boonies. And one of the cool things was is that uh, they're on this mountain, and uh, they have this kind of camping spot up, up top. And at the very top, you can kind of see the mountain, and, and there's a stream that trickles down, and it's pure mountain water. And that's actually that stream then they tap right into, and that's what they drink for their drinking water. And so it was really cool. We actually, you can take a cup and just go right drink from that stream because it's pure water. It's what they drink. And the important thing is they need to maintain and guard that stream because that's the source of all their water. Their, their springs come from that. A couple of years ago, I was hiking in Colorado, where Kristen's parents live, uh, up, up in the mountains. And the, the, this guide was talking that there's a mountain stream that we're near, and that mountain stream flows down into Grand Lake, which is this huge kind of reservoir lake. And that lake, actually, they pump that water down, and it feeds all of the Denver metro area all of their water. And it's amazing to think how this one stream trickles down out of the mountains into Grand Lake and then to the millions of people that live in Denver, and that's their source of all their water. And the Bible's saying our hearts are that way. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Your heart is that mountain stream, and everything else out of your life flows from that. And so when we're looking at how do we behave what do we allow into our families? What do we want to be influenced from? We have to ask, how do we decide what's right and what's wrong? And again, a lot of people say, well, let your conscience be your guide. Well, the Bible says that our consciences could actually be seared. In other words, we can't trust our consciences for everything. Because like our hearts, we can deceive ourselves. It's so easy to just kind of say, well, this is really okay. It's not a big deal. When Chris and I first got married, um, we had a little bit different of opinion on what kind of movies we could watch. And she entered our marriage saying, you know, I just don't watch rated R movies at all. And I was like, what? You're missing out on some great movies like Braveheart or Gladiator or whatever it might be. And uh, so we kind of differ on that. And I was like, well, I'm going to go still see these kind of movies with my guy friends. And we don't have to see them together. That's fine. Well, I was a youth pastor at that time in Colorado. And I remember we went to go see a movie. I'm not going to tell you what it was. Uh, I thought it was fine, but if you love the movie, I don't want to like harp against it. 
But we were there with some of our older uh, juniors and seniors in high school, a couple of our youth leaders, and we're sitting there in the movie theater. And I'm watching this movie where there are lots of killing and blood and all kinds of stuff. And there's, you know, a little nudity. And it's kind of like, oh, man, this is not good. <laughs> and I felt that, like, different situation, realizing, you know what, I've been deceiving myself that, you know, it's not, not that much bad stuff in here. It's still an epic movie. But watching that movie alongside some of these guys I've been mentoring, it's like, ah, this is not good. And see, it's so easy for us to let our consciences just kind of be led astray. Because we can kind of say, you know, this isn't too bad. It's not, it's not that bad. And instead, we need to go back to what does Scripture say? It's so easy to have blind spots in our own life. And so instead, what we need to pray, we need to pray and say, God, if I'm thinking things that are impure, I need you to convict me. God, if I'm allowing things into my home that are impure, convict me, show me. God, if I've got relationships or friendships that take me down more than I bring them up, show me. God, if I'm being entertained by things that are wrong to you, God, show me that. God, help me to get my own heart right. We need to pray, God, show me the things that I've been letting slide. Like, take your light and illuminate in my heart those things that I've been kind of ignoring so we can get our own hearts right first. Number two, uh, we want to parent to the heart. For those who are parents, we want to parent to the heart. Parent to the heart. What do I mean by that? Most of us, myself included, we parent towards actions. In other words, we want good behavior, but we tend to not focus on the heart. But in the Old Testament, when the prophet Samuel was going to anoint a king, he looked at David in 1 Samuel 16, 7. And this is what it says. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God doesn't look at things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but where does God look? God cares about the heart. The heart. God looks at the heart. In fact, Jesus was a, kind of a fanatic about the heart. See, in the Old Testament scriptures, that would have been what people live by in Jesus' time. They taught, don't murder. That's a good thing. Don't kill people. Then what did Jesus say? He talked to the heart and he said, hey, don't even hate if you've hated, you've committed murder in your heart. You know, the Old Testament said, don't commit adultery. Jesus talked to the heart and said, if you even looked lustfully at another woman, you have committed adultery in your heart. He kind of hammered the Pharisees and said, everything on your outward appearance is right, but on the inside you're dead and dying. Because the inside is what's important. It's about getting our heart right. It's not just about living up to some external religious code and that our actions are good, but our hearts are bad. Parents, when we're working with our kids, and this is something I am trying to learn to do, we don't want to just settle for outward submission while there's still inward rebellion. Amen? We don't want to just settle for outward submission while there's still inward rebellion. And I guarantee if you have a couple of kids like me, you have done this. You know, one kid says to the other, you know, uh, you know they, they do something bad, and you're like, go apologize. And they're like, I'm star- sorry, you stupid head. You know, and it's like, okay, good. They apologize. No, like their heart is still in rebellion. They obeyed you, but they, their heart is not right. 
So we need to be loving them towards a right heart because we don't want just right actions. We want a right heart. You know, with teenage kids, it's like, you can't go to that party. Fine. She slams the door. Bam. You know, it's like, no, we want to talk to them. We want to explain why. This is why it's not a good idea. Honey, I, I'm worried about your heart. I'm worried. I want to protect your, your heart, your soul, your mind, your morals. And so when we parent, we want to continue to talk. We want to work with our kids, parent towards the heart, because the heart is what really, really matters. Because right actions eventually will come out of a right heart. Right actions will come out of a right heart. It's why so often that when kids turn 18, they leave the house and go crazy, because outwardly they've been conforming, but their hearts want to do their own thing. So we want to work towards the heart. We're working towards purity of the heart so our kids can be blessed. And then number three, we're going to pursue perfect purity of the heart. We're going to pursue perfect purity of the heart. So first thing, we're going to get our own hearts right. Second, we're going to parent to the heart. Number three, in our homes, to be Christ-centered homes, we're going to pursue perfect purity. And here's why pursue, because on our own, it's impossible. It's an impossible standard. But with the help of God, we want to pursue perfect purity. Now, why perfect purity, Eric? Isn't that raising the standard a little too high? Because honestly, anything less than perfect purity is not purity. Anything less is not purity. We're going to pursue perfect purity for the heart of our homes. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes to a new church plant in Ephesus. Ephesians 5.3 says, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Among you, there must not even be a, let's say that together, a hint, not even a hint, not even a hint, not even an itsy-bitsy-teeny-weeny little bit of sexual immorality. Let me ask some questions. Would flirting with someone who's not your spouse be a hint of sexual immorality? Yes. Would looking lustfully at images on a screen on your phone or computer breaking our wife's heart, would that be considered a hint of sexual immorality? Yes. Ladies, if some hot guy walks by you at the gym and you're just worshiping God, glory to God, and what I just saw, mm, is that a hint of sexual immorality? Yes. The question is, how much impurity do you want to let into your home? There's a, a middle school, junior high boy who wanted to go see a movie, and his mom's like, no, there's stuff in there that's not good. He's like, but mom, it's only like this little part of the movie. It's not the whole thing. Can I just go? And she's like, no. And finally, he, he wore her down. She's like, fine. You can go see this movie. Um, you know, but first, I want to make you some brownies. He's like, sweet. I get brownies, and I get to go to the movie. So she goes outside. Gets a little spoonful of dog poop, puts it in the brownie mix, mix it all together, and says, here's your brownie. She's like, sweet. She's like, just so you know, there's just a little bit of dog poop in it. He's like, gross, I'm not going to eat that. Like, what do you mean? It's just a little bit. It's not a big deal. That's a good mom, right? So when you think about just, let, let, eh, it's not a big deal, or your kid wants you to, you know, let you play a game or watch something, it's not a big deal, it's a little bit, just think of the poop brownies, Okay. So the junior high boys in the room, you can go home and talk about the poop brownies. That's the best thing I've got right now, right? We don't want to just let a little bit in. Because even just a little bit of poop takes out all the brownies, all right? Let's look back at what 
Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Listen, when you find purity by the power of God and when God starts to change your heart and you stop desiring what you once desired and start desiring what matters to God, what happens? Jesus says, you will see God. Imagine if you could see God answer your prayers and you could see God use you in the lives of others. Imagine that you could see God make a difference through you. Imagine if you could see God use your spiritual gifts to minister to others. Imagine if you could see and sense the presence of God in you and you could see his power work in your life and his goodness flowing through you because you protected your heart and you are pure in heart. And you can see God at work through you. Jesus tells us that when we are pure in heart, we can see the power of God in a way that you've never imagined before. It's not about being perfect. It's not about that only God uses pure people. But when we get rid of the filth, when we guard our hearts, when we pursue purity, when we let go of the filth of the world that damages our hearts, our minds, our souls, when we pursue the things of God, when we don't just be a, a Christian family at a Christ-centered home, we will see God at work in our lives in a whole new way. We will see God in a whole new way. When we let go of all this stuff that's holding us back. It's like when you go up into a mountain and you see just a pure mountain stream. When there's no, no impurities in there, it, it, it's so beautiful. It, it's, it's so fresh, life-giving. The more we pull out those impurities from our life, from our families, the more we too will be pure mountain water, giving life to others that God can use in a different way. It's not just about, it's not about earning God's salvation because of our perfect actions. But the more we leave behind that filth, the more opportunity we have to see God at work in our lives. And you might say, man, I have screwed up big time. I am too old to make any difference. My heart is messed up. I've done so many things that are just off. There's nothing I can do. Listen, I've messed up more than you can imagine. I know, even as a pastor, my heart is deceitful above all things. That's why I lean on the word of God. Ezekiel 36, 26, I love what God says. He says, I'm not just going to make your heart better. God says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Maybe your heart has grown a little hardened. Maybe you've rejected the things of God. God gives you the opportunity to do a little surgery this morning. He says, I will take out that heart of stone that's grown cold, that's grown hardened, that's just not good. I'll put inside you a new heart, a new spirit. And you can come alive in Christ in a brand new way if you've never done that before. And if you're a Christ follower and you say, you know what, man, I have not been pursuing purity. I've not been pursuing the things of God. I've been letting myself get distracted by these things. God would love to just do a little work in your heart and say, okay, let's get started. We can ask God to say, okay, shine a light. What are the things that I've been letting slide? Maybe things I'm listening to, things I'm watching, things I'm reading, just influences in my life that really aren't good for my heart. They're pulling me away 
And on our own, so often, because our consciences will get dulled, we, we, we just won't even realize it. So we have to ask, God, show me the things that I need to change. What are the things I need to let go of? And it's not about external religious acts. It's not about being perfect on the outside. It's saying that knowing these outside things come in and they penetrate our hearts. As parents, I want us to pray this week. God, what are the things I'm allowing into my home that is not good for the hearts of my kids? Are there relationships that I'm allowing them to have that aren't good for their hearts? Because there is a standard of righteousness that we can't achieve on our own. A standard of perfect purity we can't achieve on our own. It takes the power and goodness of God through Jesus Christ. When we seek him and when we know him, we're not just a Christian family, we'll be a Christ-centered home. And suddenly, the power of God gives us a new heart and we can help our families learn the truth and goodness and freedom that comes from being Christ-centered. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Would you join me in prayer? And uh, I'm going to invite the band to come up, and we're going to just examine our own hearts before we go on and, and close the service. God, I pray that we would pursue perfect purity. God, that we would be convicted of the things that we need to let go of or cut out of our lives, the things that are influencing us, whether it's relationships or, or, or things we're watching or reading or listening. Not because we want to have perfect outside actions, but God, because we care about our hearts and we know you care about our hearts. God, before we close our service, and we take a little time just to reflect. God, we pray right now, show us. Are there things that we need to let go of? Are there things we need to change? Are there things that we've been letting slide? Um, and we said, hey, it's not a big deal, but it really is. It's affecting our hearts. As we pause, as we reflect, help us, God, to, uh, to, to be awakened to the things that are, are harming our hearts and the, homes and the hearts of our home. God, thank you for your word. I pray that it would continue to penetrate deeply into our hearts and souls. God, that as we pursue you, as we pursue our homes to be Christ-centered, God, that we could see you in a new way. God, that you would open our eyes to see you. Um, God, that we could see you at work in our families, through our prayers, uh, through our spiritual gifts, our ministry in, in a brand new way. Thank you, God, uh, for your blessings in our life. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Uh, we're going to close our service. We're getting done just a little bit early, um, which is awesome. Uh, and so uh, feel free to make a new friend today. Uh, just get to know someone. Again, uh, we're family on mission together. And our mission is to help people to know Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to do the things that Jesus did. And, and that's why we're here. And we're just glad that you're here among us. 
We invite you to come with us on this journey of, of knowing Jesus, of being like Jesus. And uh, we're going to receive an offer now as we close our service. And this is a chance for those who call Mosaic Home to give back their tithes and offerings. You can also give online anytime through our app, uh, through our, our website. Uh, and about half our people give online, which is a great way to do that. Because um, I know I don't ever remember a checkbook or a cash on Sunday mornings. And so we give online. And so that's a great opportunity to do that if you're like me and you never carry a checkbook around. Uh, and we just want to say thank you for doing that. Uh, this is one of our ways to give back to God, to say thank you, uh, to support the mission of this church and so that we can continue to help people um, know Jesus and to be like him. Uh, again, uh, grab one of these on the way out. I'm going to put these uh, just family activity sheets on the resource table out there. Um, small groups are going this week. Talk about this in your small groups. Uh, talk about you know, your heart, what's going on. Uh, we want to be real and authentic with one another. We want to be sharing our hearts. We want to get deep, right, uh, and not just stay superficial. Um, amen. So let's go out if you're singing and have a great week. May you know that God is for you and that the only way you can have a heart that is pure is through Jesus Christ and through him giving you a new heart and being empowered by the Holy Spirit to live in his truth. Uh, go out this week knowing that God is for you, not against you, and that uh, you can see God at work in your life. Uh, let's go out if you're singing.